and welcome to episode four of the Inner Odyssey, a podcast about developing self-awareness, self-confidence, and self-determination through living honestly and practicing self-love. Thank you for dropping by. Thank you for all your feedback on past episodes. Keep them coming. They're integral to our continued improvement. Today you're in for a treat. We'll be discussing who are you and me. Our previous discussions laid the foundation for how to report and comment on the things we observe, felt, and noticed. We discussed how these neutral stimuli should be reported on without prior processing, that is, without passage through the mental filters, where they are subjected to analysis, prejudices, long-held beliefs, and assessments before being expressed. In this episode, we will apply the principles of honesty and primary reporting to answer the question, who am I? I mean you. When asked, for example, in an, in, in an interview setting, to tell me about yourself, or if someone asks, who are you? You have some choices depending on the situation or the person you are speaking with. You have the power to decide how much information to divulge, and it is understandably usually just enough to create a certain impression. You can list off some demographic information like name, date of birth, height, weight, address, parents' names, even blood type, knowing fully well that you are considerably more than just these demographics. You can define yourself by your vocation. I am Professor J.T. Noble, or Dr. Stanley Hubble, physicist, or Ronald Wise, bartender. But it begs the question, who are you once you are no longer in that position? You can define yourself by what you believe yourself to be, including adjectives others may have ascribed to you throughout your life, deservedly or not. Smart, funny, lazy, conscientious, depressed, anxious, sad, angry, etc. Even sometimes by what you aspire to be, successful, peaceful, happy, content, healthy, etc. Regardless of how you choose to define yourself, you always use two important words together. I am. The words I am are very, very powerful when entertaining your thoughts and more so when heard by your own ears, especially when experiencing or expressing angst. It's like what happens when you're trying to learn or memorize something. The more senses the content is exposed to and received by, the more impactful and ingrained the content becomes. I will urge you to be careful and thoughtful about the adjectives you use to describe yourself especially when prefaced by I am. If it is not true or accurate, don't voice it. Use your superlatives courageously and wisely. Instead of labeling yourself as having, for example, a learning disability and will not be successful in school, affirm yourself and say, in the past, I've had difficulty with math or science or whatever subject and needed more exposure and time to grasp the concepts. Which is more accurate, more of a primary impression and less stultifying? We will practice this concept with some exercises at another time. Back to our discussion about who you are. I would argue that you are so much more than those adjectives, those demographics, so much more than what you envision you are. Too often we think of ourselves as just individuals with particular traits and characteristics restricted by self-inflicted limitations. That is true, but I would argue that you are so much more. 
Once you are able to separate your personality from your individuality, you would realize your unique magnificence and appreciate why you feel the need to march to the beat of your own drum sometimes and be cool with that. By personality, I mean the face you show the world, the malleable image that you present and project to the world when you allow the perceptions of others to influence the way you act and function. It is the construct you present to the world for expediency and convenience. By individuality, I mean the unchanging, uniquely magnificent aspect of yourself that you alone know. Your heart of hearts, the inner you, the true self. The you that you seldom, if at all, want anyone to know for fear of criticism and rejection. This separation of the personality from the individuality is the cause of much angst and or ridicule in the world. Maybe you have trust issues or narcissistic tendencies or some other type of insecurity or idiosyncrasy that makes you stand out. Depending on your comfort level with yourself and your desire to fit in, you may choose to be you or try to be unique like everyone else. Regardless, if you start to consider it, you will realize that no matter the image you try to project to the world, you can only act and function from what you truly are, the true self, for better or for worse. Have you heard the fable about the scorpion and the frog? The scorpion requested a ride across the river. The frog expected gratitude in return for kindness, but the scorpion remained true to himself and stung him once across. When you are who you really are, there's so much more of you to love. A more vibrant, nuanced, delightful, interesting, and resplendent person that is never boring, predictable, or stereotypical. There's nothing to hide. In addition to the dual aspects of your nature that you must embrace to really give an honest answer to the question of who am I, you must be willing to acknowledge your continuing relationship to each and everyone extinct and extant. See yourself as a collage of everyone who have had an influence in your life, a compilation of all your ancestors and those they interacted with. Realize that you are inextricably linked to each and every person in ways that we can hardly perceive and understand. That is to say, you are your brother and your sister. Said another way, the boundary that exists between you and me is at best fluid and at worst non-existent. If in doubt, consider this. Are you able to be you without the thoughts, ideas, and toil of someone else? How does the garbage man, the mechanic, the line worker who assembled your car, the home builder, the migrant worker in the fields tending your vegetables, and many others impact you, especially in this global economy? When we try to pick out anything by itself, we find it hitched to everything else in the universe. John Muir. As we embrace and respect our brothers and sisters and appreciate their unique value and contributions, regardless of how simple or noble, we begin to see and appreciate those same attributes in ourselves. So back to the micro entity that is you. How do you then determine who you are? In order to really know a thing, that is gain an in-depth knowledge about it, there must be interest and inquisitiveness about the subject matter. It must be intriguing. That innate curiosity will not only sustain the inquiry, but also foster the commitment required to devote the time needed to study and analyze it, break it apart to investigate not only the component parts, but also the underlying mechanisms that make it tick, move, and animate. 
True understanding will not be had in a day or even a week or for years, but interest will sustain it. There will be research to be done and information confirmatory and contrary to be assessed to see where they fit in. Mistakes will be made. From those mistakes, new and useful information will be gleaned. Refuse to despair and feel sorry for yourself about mistakes, but instead analyze and critically and intelligently assess the results so that it will instruct you about how to move forward. How many tries did it take Edison to figure out the light bulb? Apparently, he had over 1,000 false starts. As you are aware, there are many things that you know well, but there's even more that you do not know. In addition, there are some things that you do not even know that you don't know about. Saying that reminds me of an old poem, Persian, I believe. He who knows not and knows that he knows not, he is a child, teach him. He who knows and knows that he knows, he is wise, follow him. He who knows and knows not that he knows, he is asleep, wake him. He who knows not and knows not that he knows not, he is a fool, shun him. Which one are you in terms of self-knowledge? I would postulate that either you know and know not that you know, or know not and know that you know not, Say that five times. In either case, you will need to be woken up or taught. I think that we all should be experts about our own selves. I want you to know how you think about things and come to conclusions. What emotions tend to permeate your mind? What beliefs you hold dear? What are your greatest tormentors and why? What are your interests? Essentially, how your mind works. Self-knowledge, a thorough understanding of your skills and abilities, your likes and dislikes and their origins, your limits, eccentricities and quirks, will see to the development of self-esteem, self-confidence, self-respect, and a sense of one's own worth. Amor proper. When you confidently know the truth about all aspects of yourself, you can take criticism without rancor and accept compliments with humility and grace. After all, in either case, you already know that information. It will be like me telling you that you have two eyes or that you're listening to me speaking right now. Not news at all. I always say that I know I can be an absolute jerk at times, keeping it PG. Or conversely, be kind, compassionate, gentle, etc. But in either case, deliberately and magnificently so. Therefore, if someone were to point out either of these things to me, it'd be neither a surprise or something that was particularly interesting for that matter. It may, however, give me a giggle. Why? Because I already know these things about myself and therefore can just acknowledge and move on without fuss. However, if I see myself as this great benevolent person possessing exclusively positive traits and attributes, were I to be told that I'm a jerk, I will be profoundly offended and start a blustering with all the righteous indignation I can muster. How dare you? How could you possibly? Etc. 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 Sputter, sputter, sputter. Think about all the things that you can be told about yourself that will affront you and examine why they do so. Could it be that they are true and you are in denial? Why would something that you have no affinity for offend? What then can be gleaned from something that offends you that will help propel you on your journey towards self-knowledge? 
brief digression. We will discuss this more later, but I wanted to share it now for a few reasons. Namely, one, as a preface to the next thing I'm going to talk about, two, so that you can look at your world with a little more nuance, and three, to plant a seed in your mind for you to contemplate and debate with yourself. Many years ago, I read someplace that you should, cons that you should consider everything that happens to you, good or bad, as happening for your benefit. After reading this, I was exceptionally perturbed. I thought, how naive. Do you not know what I've been through, the trials and tribulations of my life? How could me being whatever have ever been for my benefit? Insert horrific event here. Are you kidding? However, after I settled down and started to think about the past and observe my life, I found that looking at things through the lenses of that statement was profoundly empowering. I realized that the intent was not to undermine the suffering that occurred, but rather to learn from it and get a net mental positive benefit from it on recollection. In that way, you do not constantly relive the pain over and over again. Instead, you will realize the advantage it availed you. After all, you cannot undo the past, so why self-flagellate? So once again, everything that happens, happens for my benefit. Say it a few times, roll it around in your head, cogitate on it, apply to any situation you encounter and see what happens. With that in mind, I submit that the simplest and most accurate way to start knowing yourself is allowing all those with whom you interact to be your mirror. Look at the persons with whom you spend most of your time, who you enjoy interacting with, friends. Most likely you have some things in common, but what defines them and how are you similar or different? What can you learn about yourself from your interactions with them? What facets of you do they expose? Look at the things that cause you to have an emotional reaction. What things repeatedly bring you unabated joy? What things make you feel helpless? What makes you feel unmotivated? Why do you procrastinate? What about those persons who cause you to lose your composure? They are the absolute best to learn a lot about yourself from. From these observances, you will come to know the things that are important to you, what you hold dear and value, the things that cause you fear, anxiety, and helplessness, the things that inspire you or what makes you feel sad, your hopes and dreams and aspirations, what underlies your less than optimal tendencies like laziness or the need to drink or use illicit substances or overeat. Observe yourself in interactions and see what you come up with. If you do not know what is there, how can you possibly proceed to fix it or utilize it? Knowledge is power and self-knowledge is exceptionally powerful. Please note, I do not want you to be unduly distressed by the negative things that you may encounter as you assess yourself. Everything in nature has duality, opposites. You cannot have one without the other. These negatives are good to know and they are there for your benefit. You need to just analyze and get to the bottom of the reasons why they exist at all. And from there, you can elevate yourself. What would yin be without the yang? Would there be light without darkness? Would masculine exist without a feminine? How about up and down, beginning and end, past and future, war and peace, etc.? 
The challenge is to make these opposites complement and temper the excesses of each other so that no dichotomy exists. As you know, this podcast is about living from principle, a set of fundamental values which rests on the foundation of honesty in thought, word, and deed. Living from principle, from the things that you truly believe and can honestly justify to yourself, allows you to have a personality that is representative of your true self. That aspect of you that is unique, stable, unchanging, unlike the personality. Living from principle requires two simple things. An unrelenting determination to be scrupulously honest and an understanding that every choice begins with a thought. Whether or not that thought is tarnished by long-held beliefs, volatile emotions, or other facile impressions, it determines your actions and choices, the things that are used to represent and define you in the world. A thought is the foundation from which all else is built. Yes, you can act in any which way, but if you feel badly about it later or have a need to apologize, then it's an indication that your personality and individuality are incongruent. I want to emphasize that doing what you believe to be an expression of your true self should not bring harm or hurt to another person or yourself. Because, as we discussed, you are your brother, your sister. Remember that you, as well as the remainder of humanity, are in pursuit of the same things, happiness and the avoidance of suffering. The goal is to allow your true self, warts and all, to shine unobstructed through your personality in a way that is beneficent to yourself and ultimately humanity. So how about defining yourself by the principles that serve as a template for your life? So, as we discuss, that in order to know yourself, the fundamental principle is honesty, followed by an in-depth and thorough assessment about you. Once diligently sought, you can be assured that you, be, you will become self-aware, self-confident, self-loving, and know your intrinsic worth. I want to close by reminding you that guaranteed, you are the best, the most awesome, the epitome of creative forces called, insert your name here. No one else in creation is like you, and neither is there likely to ever be. Yes, you and all your faults and foibles, your imperfections, your negative character traits and idiosyncrasies, and anything else that you deem not desirable to possess. Yes, you are priceless, awesome, and heading for exceptional. Stop hiding your magnificence. And next time you're asked, who are you? You can state with conviction your name and the values and principles that subserve your existence. For example, I am Svelte Mars. And I am a woman of purpose and insight. I am honest, confident, intelligent, powerful, victorious, successful, adaptable, and perfect, despite any perceived flaws. I believe that honesty is paramount in all situations. I believe that all persons are inherently good, despite those instances when their best self is not allowed to shine through. I believe in the value of knowledge as it provides the basis for understanding, self-improvement, and the actualization of the goals and dreams that lie in my heart. I believe that my experiences are always had to foster my growth. I believe that there is no me without you. Next time, we will talk about how the transition from thought to you occur. 
we will show how your thoughts have made you and how to amend things so as to amend things so as to allow you to say all the laudable I am statements with conviction. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, care enough to act with virtue, dream despite your deepest fears, live honestly with dignity and grace, and above all, love without expecting reciprocation as you continue your inner odyssey. Share the show and subscribe to our podcast on anchor.fm slash the inner odyssey, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.